Welcome to Chad Gets High and Talks About Commander Decks. My name's Chad. I'm going to get hopefully very high and talk to you about one of my Commander Decks. I wasn't planning on doing this tonight, but I just got done doing an hour and a half on my Star Wars podcast. And I thought, eh. So, tonight I'm going to talk about my Zada Hedron Grinder deck. But first off, we are smoking... Shit, I forgot to get that out. I got some new stuff tonight. I'm smoking something called... Uh, uh, um, birthday cake. Birthday cake. I am back home for a little while. And uh, I'll soon be retreating to my hideaway during all the chaos. But I had to come up and uh, re-up. And I got some birthday cake. So, let's uh, smoke some birthday cake. Got some time? Might as well do some recording, huh? Oh, shit. Raining. Alright, I'm gonna take a... Okay. Well, this is my first time with the birthday cake. And um, I think it's going to fuck me up. So I better hurry. <coughs> Shit. Oh, God. Okay. <clears throat> Zodahedron Grinder. Three and a red. For a 3-3 three, three goblin ally. Whenever Zada. That's not what it says. Oh, shit. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Zada, copy that spell for each other creature you control that the spell could target. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. Okay, so uh, uh, Zada's kind of a combo deck. I'm sure that uh, I'm going to go through a bunch of cards that are in every Zada deck, but hey, here's the thing. I don't really like... I don't like long turns. I, I, I like... don't like long turns. I, I try to play quickly. But when you play quickly, then people will often forgive you when you do have to take a long turn. Zada is a deck where I play very quickly until I don't, and then I probably put together a big turn and win. So, Zada, copies these spells. So what are you looking for? You're looking for, you got to put a bunch of creatures into play, and then you want to cast spells that target Zada that you want to replicate that effect. And the number one cards you want are the most important. Wow. Um, but what you really want is uh, ones that draw you cards. Anyway, people have seen Zada, but you want to put a bunch of creatures in play. You want to use your cantrips to draw a lot of cards from those creatures. And then eventually make the creatures big enough to kill everybody. So, uh, since I did this impromptu, let me see if I can find my deck list. Rosada, average converted mana cost is uh, got to be pretty low, two point eight four. And the decks that was pretty cheap, a couple hundred bucks for this version. You can do it a lot cheaper, I think. So I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 26 mountains in the mono red deck. They're all, they are all BFZ lands, um, and they all prominently feature Hedrons, because Zada is the Hedron grinder from Zendikar. Oh boy. All right, so let's, let's do it. Uh, am I recording? I'm recording! Score one for me. So Zada. Creatures, drawing cards. This deck draws more cards than... I guess my Locust God deck probably draws more cards, but this deck draws a lot of cards. Okay. Would you like to cut? Sure. Outpost Siege. Three and a red for an enchantment. You either pick cons or dragons. I only pick uh, dragon or cons in this one. Um, at the beginning of your end step, exile the top card of your library. Until end of turn, you may play that card. Impulse draw in this deck, it's a good way, I don't know, uh, it's a good way to, because the deck's pretty cheap, and the spells are pretty cheap, I just, sometimes I just need a way to dig to my, this deck goes off when I fern, what I need to do with this deck is I am just playing, is I'm trying to, how to put this, the way this deck works is, the main focus is to, the whole strategy of this deck is you need to get to your first cantrip. That's the most important thing. Once you get to one cantrip, the deck really starts to hum. There aren't that many. We'll, we'll count them up. There aren't that many cantrips. There's maybe one or two others I could run, but I run most of them. There aren't that many cantrips, so you need to find a cantrip. I'll post these. Let's just, you do that, and because they're lower casting cost, um... Odds are you're going to be able to catch them. Cast them. I don't know. It's just, it's cool. Uh, Invigorated Rampage. This is a finisher. One and a red for an instant. You choose one. Target creature gets plus four, plus oh, and trample. Or two target creatures get plus two, plus oh, and trample. You can only cast the first ability targeting Zada to give all your creatures plus four, plus oh, and trample. There's ways to make them really big. And in, in red, the best way to give them any kind of ev evasion is to give them trample. So when you're you're going for a big kill with all your creatures, what you're trying to do, of course, is uh, um, you make them huge and, and give them trample. And plus four plus O is a pretty good rate. Treasure Nabber. This deck has a somewhat of a... This deck has a kind of a... a I'd say a goblin sub-theme in it. And uh, Treasure Nabber is just a good goblin. And um, way to steal your opponent's shit. Throws of Chaos. I just like this card. This is the four man I read sorcery that has Cascade and Retrace. Just such a fun card. In this, it hits all my cantrips. It hits stuff. It's just a fun. It's just a fun play. You play it. You don't know what you're gonna get. You can get it back. Past in Flames. Powerful card, of course. Three in a red sorcery. Each instant or sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback to the turn. Of course, then you can flash it back as well for five. It's part of the big combo win. I'm putting a bunch of instants and sorceries in my graveyard, and this is a way for me to keep going with them. Crimson Wisps. Our first cantrip. A red for an instant from, looks like Shadowmore. Target creature becomes red and gains haste until end of turn. Draw a card. Do I give a shit? Now, to be fair, the haste is uh, not unuseful. You're doing this because it draws a card. So you have five creatures in play. 
You target Zada with Crimson Wisps. Who cares if it's red now? It's already red. Who cares if it's, it's haste? But it's going to cast that for Zada. It's going to copy for each other creature. So if you have Zada and five creatures, you're going to draw six cards. And that's when the deck starts humming. Valakut, the Molten Pinnacle. It's a mono red deck. Some free value. Beetleback Chief. When Beetleback Chief enters the battlefield, put two 1-1 one, one red goblin creature tokens onto the battlefield. I just want bodies. I don't really care what they are. It, it, it's nice if they're goblins, but I just want bodies. I don't care power. To, I don't care. Just bodies. You at least got to have one power and one toughness. Or at least one toughness. But besides that, I just want bodies. Empty the Warrens. Makes bodies. Also, this, this storm comes in handy because this deck has a lot of little cantrips and stuff and sometimes I'm casting a lot of spells in a turn so the storm can be relevant stun now here, here, see here's one one in a red for an instant target creature can't block this turn draw a card yeah I don't, I don't care I just want to draw a card it targets a creature great Zada can't block on my turn yeah, I'm going to put that aside I said I was going to count up the cantrips okay Finale of Promise. Uh, great card. Uh, just a way to get some value. Just a way to buy back uh, you know, some of my instances and sorceries I've already cast, particularly my cantrips. It does cast the spell. That's the important part. It doesn't copy it. You may cast up to one target instant or, or sorcery card from your graveyard. So cast them. So it triggers Zod. Zod has to cast. Copies don't count. Dwarven Mine. Just a land mountain that sometimes come in and gives me a dwarf, right? It's, again, uh, bodies, and you know, it's, it's free. Loyal Apprentice. One in a red for a 2 1 with haste. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control your commander, you create a 1 1 colorless stopter artifact creature token with flying. It gains haste until end of turn. Just a way to make uh, tokens. I don't know if it's. It's it's not bad. I mean, I, the fact that you don't get it till combat kind of sucks because eh, it's fine. Desert of the Fervent, just you know, cycling lands. I don't mind them in a deck like this, especially in a monocolored kind of aggressive deck like this. I like the cycling lands. Uh, Foundry of the Consuls is uh, just a, a land that taps for a colorless, but then it has five and sack it to make two popters. Uh, Blasphemous Act, of course. Um, Isochron Scepter. No dramatic reversal, obviously, but Isochron Scepter is still a good card, even if you're not comboing with it. But putting any of the cantrips under this thing, because Isochron Scepter, you may exile an instant card, you may copy the exile card, it, you may copy the exile card, okay, fine, but if you do, you cast it. And so, just putting one of your cantrips under here and being able to do that every turn is pretty... Explosive. Dragon Fodder. Make two goblins. Dire Fleet Daredevil. This is a way to, you know, cast an opponent's spell. It's a body. And uh, a little, I don't know, fun card. Uh, goblin Dark Dwellers is great. It's a goblin, which is awesome. But when it enters the battlefield, you may cast instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard. Uh, just a great way to recur a majority of my spells. Krenko's Command, same thing as Dragon Fodder. Reverberate. Yeah, copies don't trigger Zada, but 
in mono red, it's one of the better, you know, it's a counterspell. And uh, sometimes you still want to copy a spell of yours, even if you're not going to get the benefit. But it's just, it's, it's a counterspell, right? Uh, Chandra Acolyte of Flame. This is the three mana Chandra that you zero it to uh, make two red elemental creature tokens, which is nice with haste. But also, it's minus two, is it gives uh, a card CMC three or less from your graveyard uh, flashback. So, I guess another way to rebuy stuff. Treasonous Ogre. It's the four mana two three that uh, you can pay three life to add a red to your mana pool. It's just a way to when you're going off to keep going off. You know, when you're, you're making things happen and you just need a few more mana to cast a few more spells, and Ogre can do that. Soul Ring. Downhill Charge. Three and a. Oh, sorry, two and a red. For an instant. Uh, you may sacrifice a mountain instead of paying its cost. Target creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of mountains you control. So, this card makes them bigger, obviously, power-wise, for when I give them Trample. And I can cast it for free by sacking a, a mountain. It's not an untapped mountain, so I can just cast, sacrifice a tapped mountain and cast it. So this is a very good card in the late game. Care Keep, just a land that makes has the minimum requirements, right? It, it makes O-1s. That's all you need. Expedite. Target creature gains haste. Draw a card. Drip. Mizzix's Mastery. Busted ass card. I mean, you overload this thing. You cast all your instants and sorceries for free. You know, you cast all of them. It's uh, just awesome. It's a way to finish the game. Goblin War Party. Just uh, mostly, you know, four mana to make three goblins. Pretty good. Psychosis Crawler. Here it is again. Maybe I, I've actually taken it out of some decks. Maybe I'm, it's a lack of imagination, but Psychosis Crawler in this deck that draws this many cards. Most of my kills are combat oriented. I need some kind of reach. And it's Psychosis Crawler. And it hits big too. Sometimes. Winds of Change. Goes well with Psychosis Crawler. Draw a bunch of cards from Zada. Then cast Winds of Change. Draw the, Shuffle them all in. Draw that many cards again. You know, it's part of the kind of... The Psychosis Crawler... You know, and, and there are times where, like, with Winds of Change, where you've drawn a bunch of cards, but you've drawn the wrong half of your deck. Like, you've drawn a bunch of cards, but all you have left in your hand are lands, or you have left in your hand are... um, uh, You know, or... Spells that make... You know, whatever. You just don't have it. But you have a lot of cards... You can cast win, Winds of Change for one, and then just shuffle it back up and draw another 15 cards or whatever, and uh, see if you can get something better. Flamekin Village. I don't even know why that's in here. Mana Geyser. Horse. Uh, five, five mana red sorcery. Add red to your mana pool for each tapped land your opponent's control. Really good in Commander. Uh, this is the, one of the spells you cast when you're ready to, 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 to do your thing. Ruby Medallion of the ever more expensive Medallion Cycle. I'm not going to go take another hit because I am fucked up. I'm just going to keep uh, going. Ooh. Uh, Boiling Blood. 
boiling blood. Two and a red for an instant. Target creature attacks this turn of fable again, and but of course, draw a card. Terrible card. Renegade Tactics is a sorcery for one red. Target creature can't block this turn. Draw a card. Uh, Fire Diamond. Siege Gang Commander. Make them more bodies. Dread Horde Arcanist. Whenever it attacks, you may cast target instant or sorcery spell with CMC. Uh, three CMC less than... Fuck. You know what it does. Um, I have pump spells in here. So Dread Horde, it's easy to have Dread Horde, or can, or Dread Horde Arcanist uh, be able to bring back any spell in my graveyard. And, uh, yeah. Charmbreaker Devils. Eh, actually, there's there's a reason for this. It's six mana. At the beginning of your upkeep, return an instant or sorcery card from, random from your graveyard to your hand. That's fine. It's not like random, but it's fine. And then whenever you cast instant or sorcery spell, Charmbreaker Devils gets plus four, plus oh to on the turn. You know, I guess there's corner cases where you might be just in kind of an affair game. But uh, more than anything is the first ability, the recursion, and then it's also six mana. This deck is a very low CMC, but I need a couple of expensive red cards in the deck for a card I'll get to later. And Charmbreaker Devils is one of the more expensive cards in the deck. Uh, Alloy Mirror. This is a three mana, <clears throat> you know, two two that taps for a mana of any color. It's a, it's a two two, mana lift. But uh, obviously, this is, isn't as good as a mana lift because you can't tap at that turn. But again, I want bodies. I want bodies in the deck. So if my mana rocks, you know, I'm not trying to win on turn two or three. And so, Alloy Mirror does the same thing a 3-mana Rock of Another Kind would do. But it also is a body for when I do Zada stuff. Rush of Adrenaline. Instant. Target creature gets plus 2, plus 1, and Trample till end of turn. Just kind of a, a worse version of the other one. But one of the ways to give him Evasion. Cold Steel Heart. Smoldering Crater. Torment Script, just a cheap way to handle some graveyards. Hordling Outburst. Uh, Chandra's, Chandra's Ignition. Everybody knows this card now. Uh, I'll say I was on this card way earlier. Five mana sorcery, target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to each other creature and each opponent. It's a win condition in here. But it has to go with one other card in the deck. But if I can... Because it targets a creature. Right? The target creature deals damage equal to its power to each other creature and each opponent. So if you target Zada, you have five creatures it's going to copy. And then the last one's going to, the copy's gonna, last copy's going to resolve first. And if that kills all your creatures and other creatures in play, then it's going to fizzle. Unless it doesn't fizzle. Koth of the Hammer, just a fun way to make a lot of mana. Like, cost the cool card and the minus two, you know, play him. You have enough creatures to come up the board. Play him. And then uh, on the second turn, fuck, what? Jesus Christ, man. 
I had to just hide and fucking watch. Like, this is almost not okay, hot. I'm gonna have to go lay down when I'm done with this. But it's real hot, man. As high as they've been since all this shit started. Sure. Fuck. I barely see. Call of the Hammer uh, makes a lot of mana. Makes a lot of mana. Underworld Breach. Scary card. Just a recursion in here. It's, it's a Yawgmoth's Will, right? It's a Yawgmoth's Will. In red. Uh, Chaos War. Reliquary Tower. You know, it's it's never a problem to run it in a mono deck. And in this case, get a lot of cards in my hand. Mog Watcher. It's a red, red, and two for a two, two. Can pay three, tap it to search your library for a goblin and put it into play. And then shuffle your library. It's a cool card. I have very some very powerful goblins. And also, this deck used to have a lot more goblins. It used to be much more of a goblin deck. And as I moved away from that, but kept some of the goblins, it's still good to get some very powerful goblins that you'll get to. I mean, even Siege Gang Commander is worth it. Release the gremlins. Way to blow up artifacts. It's you know obviously not as good as like by force, but a way to blow up artifacts and get bodies out of it. Playing bodies a lot. That's today's keyword, especially I guess, is bodies. Star Compass. Uh, goblin Rally. Make four goblins. Tuck Tuck Scrapper. <laughs> this one's just kind of cute. Tuck Tuck. I knew from my allies deck. Uh, four mana whenever it enters the battlefield. Whenever Tuck Tuck or another. Ally enters the battlefield under your control. You may destroy target artifact. If that artifact is put into a graveyard this way, it deals damage to it to the number of allies you control. The deck only has one other ally, but that's Zada. So this is a way for me to destroy an artifact, leave a body behind for Zada nonsense, and then if uh if if, if I cast Zada after this, I can blow up another artifact. You know, so has a little bit of utility with not that much of a downside. Uh, it's it's come up, by the way. I've used it to blow up two artifacts in a row. Spawning bed, of course, just a land that you can sack it to make, uh, what, three Eldrazi Scion creatures? More tokens? So whenever a new set comes out, every Zada player, I'm assuming, um, every Zada player, I'm ass I assume that every Zada player does the same thing, which is they scan the set, they look in the red commons, and they look for red instants and sorceries that cost one or two mana that draw a card. And most of the time we blank. We blank. But this one came Modern Horizons. Fists of Flame. Draw a card. It's a, it's a one and a red for an instant. Draw a card. Until end of turn, target creature gains trample and gets plus one, plus oh for each card you draw on this turn. So it draws you a card for each creature. And then it makes them all big in this kind of graph. Right? This, one, this one's plus one, plus one. This one's plus two, plus two. This one's three. It's just awesome. And it can, I mean, it can make them, it can make enough of them big enough to, to do some real damage. Uh, battle him. Wanted a red instant. You put a red in your mana pool for each creature you control. 
guess it's part of the part of the finale, I guess. Uh, Solemn, you know, Gilland and a body skull clamp. This deck makes a lot of one ones. Blazing Shoal. Now, Blazing Shoal is part of the win. Usually, usually, usually. Uh, it's a it's an instant for red red X. You may remove a red card with converted command- mana cost X in your hand from the game rather than play Blazing Shoals. <laughs> so uh, it gives target creature plus X plus Oton to turn, and you can cast it for free by pitching a red card with CMC X. So if you pitch a red card with CMC seven, it would just make your creature plus seven plus O. This is the way I make them real big at the end. When I have a bunch of them, and they have haste, and they have trample, and this makes them real big at the end. And that's what, but that's why I need to keep certain cards in here. Red expensive cards. I need to get a Cavalier Flame. But red expensive cards like, um, Charm Breaker Devils. Even though it's just plus six, that's usually enough. Uh, to pitch this, so I need a couple of big kind of clunkers and um, to go with this, but this is part of the, like, if I have this in my hand, I start putting together, together start putting together how <laughs> I killed people. Uh, Eldrazi Monument. Uh, at first, I wanted to run a Chroma's Memorial, Memor- Chroma's Memorial, uh, to go with Chandra's Ignition. Because, you know, the protection from red would keep the creatures from dying from the Chandra's Ignition. And then I realized it would also keep me from targeting my creature with the Chandra's Ignition. So no good. So Eldrazi Monument. Uh, five mana. Creatures, artifact. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and have flying and indestructible. At the beginning of your upkeep, you second creature. So this makes, this goes real well in a lot of ways. It gives them flying, so it's that evasion. It can make them big, and then they fly. And then the indestructible comes into play with cards like Chandra's Ignition. So if I have Chandra's, if I cast cast up a bunch of creatures and I cast Chandra's Ignition targeting Zada, each one of them casts it, but none of them die. And uh, yeah, win, win, win. Sure, uh, Goblin Bombardment, just a way to get value out of the creatures. Just a great sack outlet. Chrome Mox, um, had one, put it in here. This deck needs, this deck need, doesn't need a ton of mana until it does. Like, it doesn't need a ton of lands, but, you know, if it can get off to a kind of quick start. Gamble, just, you know, it's a red deck. It's great. Also, you can gamble for past in flames. Accelerate, one in a red. Target creature gains haste, draw a card. Young Pyromancer? Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-1 elemental. Put some, putting bodies there. I'm already casting instants and sorceries. Scavenger grounds. Just a way to deal with graveyards. Forgotten cave. Iron mirror. Another one of those creatures that taps for, you know. And, uh, oh, and I for the, I talked about mob catcher and the, the good goblins. Here is Krenko, the mob boss. Uh, of course, you know. Tap them to, uh, you know. It, it makes a bunch of tokens. The whole deck hinges on... Six cards. These six cantrips. Now, there is Ryle, which is a sorcery that does a damage to a creature. And then you draw a card. So you could do, use that with Zada to draw a bunch of cards as long as your creatures didn't have one 
toughness. And I think there's one other that's real awkward that does this, but there are not many cards that do this. And there are six cards in this deck that I have chosen that are my cantrips. Always on the lookout for more, and I, I have Ryle kind of eh, thought about it. But I have this these six cantrips. Right? And I have... Let's see... Let's see. This is exciting for me. So exciting. Right, I have these six spells, and then I have seven cards dedicated to bringing those spells back from the graveyard. But if I can get to one of these spells, because everything else in here is about ramp or, I'm sorry, eight cards. I forgot passing flames. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight cards. Everything else in here is about making mana or putting creatures into play. But you have these eight cards that are about recurring and you have these six cantrips. If you just get to one of them, assuming that you haven't stumbled on mana and assuming that you've been able to cast some other spells, you know, that you can get to one of these, you can really, it, it's, it's all downhill from there. You're either going to lose very soon or you're going to win very soon. And maybe within a... Maybe, you're gonna be. You're, you're probably gonna be in the in the position to at least go for the win in the next two turns, two maybe three turns, depending on you know how late in the game it is. But when you draw these cards, these are the entire. If these cards didn't exist, the deck wouldn't exist. Zada we flat out garbage. If these cards didn't exist, uh, in the couple others that I'm not running. But yeah, so you, so the whole strategy of the deck is that, right? Find one of these, and then you know, do you think I like this deck? It's a lot of fun. When you win with it, it feels really unfair. Like when we, when you win with it, it feels really unfair because this is a deck that wins on a long last turn, and in order to get away with that. You gotta be, you gotta play fast, and luckily this deck plays pretty fast until it doesn't. And you only take slow turns when you're winning. That's you know, and they say that's when you should take the most time to consider your next move. That's when you should take the most time because because you've got it. You just need to make sure that you, you know, whatever. But anyway, so it, it, it's just, uh, it, when you win, it just feels super unfair. And you're going to end up taking a long final turn. So you got to play quickly so that when you get to that long final turn, people understand that, you know, you're not wasting their time. But this turn's going to be a little more complex. 
And so you gotta you gotta learn to play it fast. And uh then you get to your one big turn with this deck. And then you feel things the deck feels very underpowered until you get online. It just feels like you're just putting little one ones into play and Zod is not that great of a creature and But then once it gets online, once you have four or five creatures in play and you play that first cantrip. Then it starts to feel very unfair. It goes from feeling undermatched to overpowered. Undermatched? It goes from feeling overwhelmed to feeling overpowered. And you know and all of a sudden you feel like you're doing the dirtiest thing you can be doing. And it's not, but it uh, it's a fun turn, man. Like, it's fun to do. It's fun to draw all those cards. It's fun to do the math. It's probably not as much fun for everybody else. That's why you need to, you know, be quiet, be mindful. This episode is fucking terrible. Holy cow. This is, is this what the show is supposed to be like? Because I'm this high. I've been like, I mean, this is awful. Hmm. I can do it again uh, tomorrow night, I guess. We'll play D&D. Like, I am just gone, man. Oh, dude. I should start over. That was terrible. Uh, you know, I mean, this deck is fucking. It's it's whatever, man. It's every Zana deck's the fucking same. It's like a it's like a feather deck or something. It's the same fucking deck. Zana's better than feather, by the way. But yeah, so it's nothing interesting. I don't know. I think I have a couple maybe cool innovations in here, cool ideas in here, but I don't care. I mean. That card, the only six drop. That red iron is on the way. That's a little cold call. I knew it was gonna hit me hard. I didn't know it was gonna hit me that deep. Going down a fucking hole and locked in, locked in. Like you want to be high when you do something like this, you don't want to be locked in, you know. Feel like Christian Slater and pump, pump up the volume. You know? Happy Harry Hardon playing Leonard Cohen albums for emo nineties teens. Nice pirate radio station. Still love that movie. Man. <laughs> How deep we think we are when we're fifteen. You know? Samantha Mathis. Mm. I don't remember anybody else. There's a guy in it that looks like Billy Idol. I don't think it was Billy Idol. It's not like a wedding singer. It's like a punk guy. And the kid that kills himself. 
because he thinks he's gay and something like that. And I don't remember anybody else in it. It's Christian Slater and Samantha Mathis and uh, the Billy Idol guy and the gay guy. And uh, there are other characters, but I don't, I don't remember. They're sitting over the pump of the volume. <laughs> what is that movie? 90, 92? 91, 92, 93? It's funny when you watch movies like that because you realize they existed in the same space as Pulp Fiction and you don't, that doesn't make any sense. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. If you watch something, uh, you know, you watch something like uh, the fucking, yeah, I don't know. There's <laughs> I can't even go over it. But yeah, it's like, you know, you look at something like that. Um, I don't even know about that anymore. It's like you watch something like Gritty from the 70s, but you also realize it's a set. Anyway. So, um, I thought it was funny. It really wasn't. And what I wanted to say, um, that I was, uh, making some stupid analogy that didn't work. I don't even know what, like, the analogy was. Fuck, what was I talking about? Or how high it was? Cavalier Flames. I wanted to get a Cavalier Flames. Remember that. That's a really funny. What was it? What was I fucking thinking about? What was I talking about? I thought about it, I was really high and I was like locked in and shit. And uh, I was talking about um, metaphors. Pump of the volume. I was talking about pump of the volume. <laughs> Why was I talking about pump of the volume? Is it weird that pump up, talking about pump up the volume makes me want to watch Young Guns? See if you can do that math. Love me some Young Guns. I love Billy the Kid, and I want to. Uh, I'm working on something Billy the Kid related right now in. It's so funny because Young Guns and Young Guns 2, which we needed a hint, that's how I got there, came out, it, it like, like they're what made me, like, fall in love with the Billy the Kid mythos. And by doing a ton, and, they, and, and it, it drove me to reading dozens of books about the man, the era, and over that time, I've learned that Young Guns and Young Guns 2 are a lot of horse shit. <laughs> so the thing that made me love Billy the Kid in the first place drove me to a point where I now can debunk those original things. They're actually, they've got some pretty accurate stuff in them. The the, the people who wrote them, it's not like the old, uh, we go back to like old Billy the Kid westerns. From like the 30s, 40s, 50s. They just have a character named Billy the Kid in them. 
Like I think the left-handed gun tried to do a little with um uh oh blue eyes. Uh Paul uh Paul Newman. Is that uh is that Arthur Penn? That might have been Arthur Penn. Anyway, so but a lot of them were just like Billy the Kid was just the name of a cowboy. So you could tell with like the Young Guns movies that they read a book or two. But the names are all mixed around, the timelines all mixed around, and some of it's real dumb. And I don't know, I mean, you know, the end of the, they use the wrong bad guy. Like, the first, the bad guy in the first season, first season, the bad guy in the first movie is like, um, <laughs> the bad guy in the first movie is um, played by Terrence Stamp, who was like, how old is Terrence Stamp? I, I've always I need to check this out before I bash the man. Well, not the man, but the the uh, uh, not the man, but the movie. Uh, Terrence Stamp. Oh, it's only one R. Okay, Terrence Stamp was born nineteen thirty eight. Young Guns. Came out in 1988. 3888. So Terrence Stamp was 50 when he made Young Guns. 49.50. The real John Tunstall, spoilers, died at age 25. So in the movie, they have him as this kindly old man who was teaching these young wayward boys how to be good Christians. And in real life, he was only a couple years older than them. And the only reason he was fighting against the monopoly, the cattle ranch, the cattle monopoly in that town was that he wanted to be the new monopoly in that town. It wasn't altruistic. But he was only 25. And in the movie, it's Terrence fucking Stamp. Who's awesome. Met him one time. Super cool. But. Come on. How did I get to Billy the Kid? I was talking about young guns. Anyway. So things like that. Right? Like. That doesn't make any sense. But what was I saying? I was getting some more. Terrence Stamp. John Tunstall. Um. Uh. Either way, it, 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 they got some things right and some things wrong. But kind of long watch. Young Guns 2 is actually kind of more fun. I mean, it does have Christian Slater in it. Do you want Christian Slater or do you want, you know, Casey Sismisko? Casey I never, never know how to pronounce that dude's name, him or her sister. There's Casey and. Anna says my school? No. Nina says my school? Maybe. I don't know. I, I've never known how to pronounce their last name. Or who else is in that first one? Dermot Mulroney, right? Yeah. It's Alan Ruck's in the second one. So Dermot Mulroney. But the second one also has Balthazar Getty, which. Yeah. Pages of Tiger Beat aside. Not the most 
charismatic screen presence. And certainly not at that age. He was pretty. Playing Tom O'Folliard. The man from Texas, even though the real man was from Ohio. Or vice versa. No, he says in the movie, he's from Texas in real life, was. And the movie, they make him out to be like some kid from Nebraska. Something like that. And they have him like much younger and, uh, and kind of attracted to Billy. Kind of in a Robert Ford way. And uh, in real life, he was just Billy's best friend. He wasn't some sycophant and he wasn't some young boy. He was the same age as Billy or older. And he was Billy's best friend. But uh, in the movie, they got teen heartthrob. Better performance. Balthazar Getty in Young Guns 2 or Eddie Furlong in Terminator 2. Probably got to go to Furlong. But it's probably closer than you think. What does any of this mean? But here's the thing. This is the shit that I like talking about. (laughs) I like talking about movies and uh, details. and I like talking about movies. Even if it's Young Guns 2. I was about to say who directed it. And I don't fucking remember. It's not Geoff. Murphy, right? They G off did, uh, no, G off Murphy. <laughs> okay, now I'm gonna look because George B. George Cosmatos, that's uh, Tombstone, uh, but Young Guns is. Um, okay, Christopher Kane directed the first one. Whoever the fuck that is. Now you're down a rabbit hole with me, by the way. Now you're screwed. Um, how is that not one of Emilio Estevez's top four movies on his fucking IMDb page? Highway Robbery. Uh, Young Guns 2 is directed by. Yeah, Geoff Murphy! Hey, I got one of them. Um, he did, uh, ooh, he died in 2018. He was a uh, Kiwi. He did, uh, no. Under Siege 2. Oh, that's right. He did Free Jack. <sighs> that's, a, that's a shame. That's a shame. Free Jack is a fucking nuts movie. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. But it's got Emilio Estevez. Is he like Emilio's guy? Nah, he didn't do like that work or anything. But it was like Emilio Estevez and uh, Rene Russo and Anthony Hopkins. No. I don't know. I think Anthony Russo. Anthony Russo? No. Rene Russo and um, uh, Mick Jagger. <laughs> I knew a guy that worked on that once. He told me some stories. He said, Mick's a great host. 
Like when he has a party, like Mick serves his own, like serves people drinks and shit. Anyway. Um, and then Christopher Kane, who did Young Guns, you see, it could be anything else you would have seen. Uh, he did the principal. Uh, with uh, Jim Belushi. Oh, he did the next Karate Kid. Okay, the Hillary Swank one. I mean, yeah, the movie's garbage, but it's a great series, and it he directed a two-time Academy Award winner. Not, you know, for anything he did. And, yeah, and Pat Morita, that's also an Academy Award nominee. And then Gone Fishing with Joe Pesci and Danny Glover. See, this is a movie. Holy shit, J.J. Abrams was J.J. Abrams was one of the writers. Holy shit! Anyway, um, people probably knew that, but so Gone Fishing is like just uh, two fishing fanatics get in trouble when their fishing boat gets stolen while on a trip. It's a it's a bad fucking like PG eighties comedy or nineties comedy. But this is the type of movie I worked in a video store when this came out, and so I know what this movie is. <laughs> Nobody remembers this fucking movie except people who worked in video stores in the late 90s. My head is filled with all these movies. As soon as the box cover came up, it like brought me back to my fucking 20s. Gone fishing. So thank you, Christopher Kane, for that little moment of feeling like I was 22 again. Um, but yeah, his career is pretty bad. Uh, but he's still alive. Which means he's doing better than Jeff Murphy. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think this is this part's longer than the deck, which is fine. The deck's what it is, right? This is fucking Zada deck. <laughs> uh, but now you know more about the career of Geoff Murphy. The career of Christopher Kane. You know more about the age of murdered Irish cattle baron John Tunstall. He was not Irish. <laughs> was he? Wasn't he? Was he? Shit. Hey, British, right? Was he British or Irish? God damn it. I know so much about fucking Billy the Kid, and now that there's a fucking microphone in front of me, I have to look at if John Tunstall was Irish. Or British. What's your money on? You don't give a fuck if you're still listening. Holy shit. Born in England. So I was wrong, but I was right to correct myself. I was correct in knowing I was wrong. British cattle baron, John Tunstall. Of course he was. The Irish were the bad guys. Well, now there's McSween. Anyway, anyway, I don't know. Oh, by the way, he died at 24. He died at age 24. Terrence Stamp was fucking 50. And you do not care at all. But I do. That's the thing. Is like This is what kind of I envisioned the show being. <laughs> was just me not giving a fuck anymore. And just talking about stuff I like to talk about. Like, I almost got, like, I was, like, actually, like, trying to make a podcast. And, like, no, I just, uh, who gives a fuck, right? 
This is, I think this is more closer to what I originally wanted to do. But this isn't entertaining. The other version's way better. I just want to eat Nutella and go to bed. What's this shit called again? Birthday cake. Well, happy fucking birthday. The desk is creaking, but I lost all uh, discipline a while back. As far as where I put my hands and shit. But you know more about John Tunstall. You know you know more about... You could figure out, if you wanted to, how old Terrence Stamp was with some nice, simple math. How old he is. Still alive, I think. So you can do that math. Um, you know more about... You know about the existence of the movie Pump Up the Volume. And that it's has a um, guy that looks like Billy Idol in it. Bet you didn't know that when you started this. Happy Harry Hardon was his character's name. And there's this scene where uh, this kid kills himself. Happy Harry starts every night with uh, a, um, uh, a Leonard Cohen song that everybody knows. And... Uh, but there's this one moment where his um, this kid kills himself, and uh, he um, and Harry could have stopped him. You know, he could have uh, he, he could have stopped him, but Harry kind of like he made a joke or something. Um, I forget what it was. <laughs> Sorry. Um, he said, uh, he said, um, oh, and so this kid kills himself and Harry, like, he feels responsible for it because he, like, blew the kid off or something. And, uh, so he plays a song in memoriam. It's another Leonard Cohen song. And, uh. Maybe that's how we'll go out tonight. If it be your will, this is probably illegal. I'm gonna turn down the lights.
if it be your will. If there is a choice, let the rivers fill. Let the hills rejoice. cut all that if anyone ever listens to this. This has been Chad Gets High and Talks About the Internet. My name is Chad. I got really high. I kind of talked about my commander deck and then I talked about a lot of other shit. Who's a fuck? I'll give more fucks than one. Antithesis Audio.